I'm a sophisticate, and so can you. Is the name of our podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. And we're two queer millennials with ADHD. Who have been lying about our own cultural literacy. If you've ever been in a situation where you pretended to know more than you do about an important movie or a piece of literature. Yeah, or like a super cool band. Then this is the show for you. This is a show where we engage with the canon so that you don't have to. Topics for discussion will include such things as... Is Carrie Brownstein the coolest person? Can anyone who likes the movie Chinatown be trusted? Why Tom Waits? Why? All of these questions and more will be answered on every episode of I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Available wherever you find your podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Sense of Shelf podcast. This is John Wesley, and I appreciate you joining me. If this is your first time listening, uh, what a weird episode to choose. I'm like 20 in. But hey, I appreciate you nonetheless. Welcome. And on this episode, I will be continuing my banned book series. So I hope you were discreet and the, the thought police do not know you are here. In this installment, I'm going to be talking about a book titled Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. This book is, I believe, number two on the most recent list of banned and challenged books in the U.S. It was published in 2018, and it is supposedly, according to Wikipedia, I use that very loosely, a semi-autobiographical coming-of-age novel written by Jonathan Evison. So, thank you for joining me for this. And uh, we're going to start off, as usual, with my book news. And then, to use an old term, stay tuned after that for the review of the book. Thank you. Well, friends, today's book news break is a somber one. As of this recording, author David McCullough has passed away. And if you've listened to some of my past episodes, um, and for anyone who knows me and knows my reading preferences, he is my favorite historian. I love every book I've read by him. If you look at my my TikTok or my Instagrams. I recently put up a quick recording of the stack of books I own by him. And that's actually missing one. That's missing Truman. Truman was my, the first book by McCullough that I read. Uh, and it's fantastic. And I just couldn't locate it as I was doing the video. And it's pretty beat up anyways. So it wouldn't have really... <laughs> fit in with the rest of the books. And just because of my OCD, one of my favorite things about McCullough is the fact that all his books are the same, like the same design, same size, except for the American Spirit, which is like a publication of different speeches he's given, uh, either in Congress or at commencement ceremonies. 
So for a quick backstory, David McCullough was born July 7th, 1933, and he was an immensely popular author, historian, and that's as well as he narrated a few documentaries. You can go online and see a whole list, but The Civil War was a big one. That's a Ken Burns documentary, as well as many others, Brooklyn Bridge, uh, there's one on Napoleon, the Donner Party. He's he's done a lot of work, and he's uh, he's very acclaimed for his work. He hosted PBS's American Experience from '88 to '99, and again, he's the work is just incredible. His very first book was the Johnstown Flood, and that is a story in history. That happened near where he was born. And it's a fantastic book, actually. Uh, For a first work, for a historian, it's a fantastic book. It's incredibly detailed. And it's really telling of his works to come. If you've ever read one of his books, they're incredibly detailed, but they read so easily that it's not really like reading a lot of history books. So I'm going to actually cut this short now to get to this episode, but that's the only book news that matters is the passing of David McCullough, one of my favorite historians, someone whose works I have loved for a long time, Pulitzer Prize winner, National Book Award winner, uh, documentary narrator, (laughs) just an all-around really respected and appreciated person in his field. I'm going to do a more in-depth episode about him soon. Uh, I I really want to put a decent amount of work into that, though. And that will come out, hopefully, within the next few weeks. So, with that being said, let's get to the book review of Lawn Boy. Thank you. Really quick apology preemptive apology this book is in the lgbtq i suppose genre of books uh it is about it's about a character in that community and then you know realizing who they are and the different happenings surrounding that at one point if i say anything that comes off incorrect I do apologize Uh, just know it's not meant with any sort of ill intentions I just I reviewed it and speak about it to the best of my ability at one point I talk about why I don't I think why I don't believe the author should have written this Uh, but I mention how you know at a certain period in our lives we all experience the same things with our our first crushes and our first loves. If I said that incorrectly, I do apologize. I I should clarify. I mean just more along the lines of more along the lines of how we all experience we all feel love, we all feel heartbreak and things of that nature. The circumstances surrounding those feelings obviously are different for every person, but I do believe that as a whole love is felt 
in the same way. And we, we will all experience love and heartbreak with those firsts in our lives. So again, I do preemptively apologize if I say anything incorrectly. By all means, email me or message me and clarify if, if it's been your experience and you, and you feel that I could have said it differently. Please let me know and I will learn from that and use it going forward. Thank you. Okay, so Lawn Boy. I I try not to do this on this podcast. I try to only do positive things, uh, but I did not care for this book. Like I said in the introduction, the novel is Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison, published in 2018. This book has been banned quite a few times and challenged. It's listed as number two on the most recent challenged and banned book list. And... Well, let's just read the book cover and some general summaries. The book cover states, All Mike Munoz wants is to find the secret to the American dream of happiness and prosperity. Is that too much to ask? But so far for Mike, an aspiring landscape artist, life has felt like a whole lot of waiting for something to happen while he does other people's yard work. In this funny, angry, touching, and ultimately inspiring novel, Best-selling author Jonathan Evison takes the reader into the heart and mind of this young man as he embarks on a mission to discover his true self. Mike faces both external challenges and roadblocks of his own making. His family life is oh so complicated, and it's hard for him to get ahead in the all-white Seattle-area gated community in which he works. But in the end, he can see the future and his place in it, and it's looking really good. That's from the book, the back book cover itself. Uh, I know it's not an area, a place to really cite, but the Wikipedia page claims it's a semi-autobiographical coming-of-age novel. Now, I said at the beginning that I didn't like this book. I, I think it was written... I think it was written very well. I think the writing is fantastic. I think what was written, I didn't care for. Um, it's been it's been challenged for people being afraid of any sort of queer content, basically. Uh, in September 2021, a school district in Texas... A mother raised concerns about the book, saying it was full of obscenity and sexual content. People even filed reports with the police after this meeting where this was raised. And uh, there was also challenges in a county in Virginia. They denounced this book for sexually explicit language, scenes and imagery, including what one speaker called homoerotic content. And it was, uh, it was asked that these be removed from libraries and schools. And I believe in some cases it was put back, but uh, this book is still constantly challenged. Some of the passages in the book are considered to be depictions of pedophilia, which does not make any sense. Um, this was made by, this type of challenge was made by people in Texas and Virginia. And... 
uh, the, the parts that they're considering pedophilia are the main character, Mike, as an adult, recalling a sexual encounter he had when he was a fourth grader in fourth grade with another fourth grader. So I don't really think that that pedophilia claim really holds any water. Um, but in some of these places, the book was reinstated. Again, like I've said in a previous episode and introductions, there's people in this country who are afraid of any sort of thing that they can... Person, I shouldn't say thing, I'm sorry. Any sort of person they consider different, that in their ignorant mind they consider you know, abnormal. So a lot of things challenged involve gender, the queer community, that's what I was trying to get to, and people of color. And the truth behind how these people are treated in this country by the population that's challenging these books. Their ignorant and cowardly ways towards people they deem as different and inferior. And now they want to pass that on to their children And I'm going to beat you guys over the head with this and talk about it in every episode. It is ignorant and cowardly, and in today's society, there should be no room for it. But my issue with this book isn't that content. I have no problem with that. My issue is I feel like it wasn't this author's story to tell. As well as it was written, the pacing's fantastic. I, I take a little issue with the last, like, two chapters and how neatly and quickly everything's tied up and I mean I don't want to give any specific spoilers but it's just like in the last few pages is like a nice pretty little bow put on everything and that that wrap-up sort of bothered me but in all I liked the pacing I liked the story itself I just don't feel like it was this author's place to tell this story which sounds a little strange I know because we're talking about writing um but as f- from everything I can tell, this author is a straight white man. He's now, in 2018, he would have been 50. And he was writing this book about a young, half Mexican, half American man and him, you know, c- realizing his sexual identity and his sort of that in-between period we all go through with life where you're after school and finding out where you're going to be in life and what you're going to do. Um, and my and my problem is that, from what I can see, again, he's a straight white man with his wife and his family. He has a daughter, I believe. And he's writing this book about a young, you know, early 20s, half Mexican, half white man and him coming, him dealing with the turmoil he's going through with his sexuality and the realization of his sexuality and what he goes through between friends and family and all that sort of stuff. And it, I don't know, that might be me being kind of hypocritical because I've read thousands of books and I know that the authors didn't go through those experiences. But I'm aware Tolkien wrote about, you know, Frodo traveling to Mordor, that's not a real life experience that a Frodo dealt with. 
this man is writing about real life experiences that people other than himself have to live through and deal with. He, as far as I can tell, didn't have to go through this. And I think it's kind of a touchy, a touchy subject. And it's a fine line that authors are going to have to walk going forward. 20, 30 years ago, this might have been perfectly fine. But it shouldn't have been ever. But it definitely shouldn't be now. And that's really the only issue I have with it. There's quite a few Mexican characters. And I feel like he, the Spanish um, that they used is also, I almost want to say stereo, like a stereotype. There's one Mexican character who every line of dialogue almost in the book, he says essay at some point when he's talking to the main character, Mike. And that felt a little, it felt a little like a caricature, if that may, if you understand what I'm saying. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but again, I stress, it's written beautifully. Everson is definitely a great writer. I'm not taking that away from him. I just don't think he should have told this story. But that's my personal opinion. If that bothers any of you, I do apologize. I'm sure some of you, especially those of you in the queer community, might understand not wanting a straight white male to write a story from you know, your perspective or someone within your, within your circle's perspective and, you know, trying to make the assumptions on what they, the repercussions of coming out of the closet and all those things. But as far as what this is banned for, oh boy, let's talk about this. So it's one of the top 10 books. It's been challenged because of profanity and sexually explicit scenes. These scenes are not explicit. They talk about things that have happened, but not in an explicit way, really. Um, And really, the only time it happens is, you know, there's one or two times where the main character thinks about what happened when he was in fourth grade. So that part where the main character sort of is, you know, recalling memories of what happened. It's, there's some strange innuendos used in metaphors, but the book itself is not entirely explicit. And the, the, the romance is not, is not like the main focus of the book, really. Uh, I'll read a couple passages just so just so you guys know what people are challenging there's a scene where the main character is talking to his best friend who just happens to be a really like ignorant homophobic person really rough around the edges and the scene goes the main character starts what if i told you i touched another guy's I try not to curse on this podcast, uh, so we'll call it a Richard. What if I told you I touched another guy's Richard? Mind you, they use the other word. I said, Nick waved me off and turned his attention back to his beer. What if I told you I sucked it? Will you please just shut up already? I'm dead serious, Nick. Well, I'd say you were a F slur. I was 10 years old, but it's true. 
I put Doug Goebel's Richard in my mouth. The real estate guy? Yeah. Nick looked around frantically. What the F are you talking about, Michael? I was in fourth grade. It was no big deal. Cringing, Nick held his hands out in front of him in a yield gesture. Stop. He sucked mine, too. Stop. Why are you telling me this? And you know what? I said, it wasn't terrible. All the air went out of Nick, and he looked at me dully, his face a prairie of blankness. This is a joke, right? No, Nick, it's not a joke. So you're saying you're a F-slur. I doubt that. It's been 12 years since I touched a Richard, but that's not the point. And then it goes on to more ignorance. The friend asks him if he's in love with him just because he's gay. Uh, And then the friend gets up and walks out of where they are. And uh, that's something that keeps getting challenged. Now, yes, there is a little bit of profanity there, and they do talk about an act. But far from graphic, in my opinion. And um, there's a few more that a lot of people complain about. And a lot of them don't even really make sense. There's a part where, you know, it said, that's what kids do, they should laugh. If there's a better, writer sound in the whole world than the laughter of children, I don't know what it is. And some people took a lot of offense to an author writing this and call it a creepy statement because adult men don't think of kids this way. Adult men don't dwell on children. I have a toddler. I love watching her and her friends and cousins run around and laugh. It is a joyous noise. I don't know why that's an issue. There's another time when they talk about it where they talk about what happened in the fourth grade. But there's one thing I'd never tell Nick in a million years. This is before the scene I just read to you. But there's one thing I'd never tell Nick in a million years. Not that it really matters. In fourth grade, at a church youth group meeting, out in the bushes, behind the parsonage, I touched Doug Goebel's Richard, and he touched mine. In fact, there were even some mouths involved. It's not something I'd even think about all these years later, except that Goebel is the hottest real estate agent in Kitsap County. His face is all over town, signs, billboards, Christ, even on shopping carts. Do you know what I think three times a day when I see his picture? I wonder all these years later why he just kicked our friendship to the curb like that. Was it shame? That's something people take issue with. I don't get it. And that's something I'm going to keep repeating during every one of these reviews. I don't, if it was genuinely explicit, like if we were talking American psycho explicit stuff, erotica, I would understand, but they like, they're not even actually in the, in the act itself. He's just saying what happened. Um, But again, it's because it's the gen, it's the queer community. And there's even when, even when further on in the book, his the main character Mike's sexuality is becoming more and more clear to him the author actually avoids talking about his relations with a partner he skips right over it and like from the first person point of view is like I'm not gonna tell you about this that and the third almost like he was trying to avoid being actually explicit but when you're writing a queer story, people are going to take an issue with it, unfortunately. Uh, so there's all that. Um, 
I don't know how much more to say about this book. Uh, like I said, other than other than my issue with this guy writing the story and telling this story, and the the almost almost facetious use of Spanish in this book, it's just silly some of the times it's used. Other than those things, I don't, I don't dislike the book. It's a good story, and it's it's written very well. The nice neat bow in like ten pages is really weird to me. The way um, the way some people come back into his life after literally and physically walking out, and how things just get wrapped up in a nice shiny little package weren't weren't great to me i understood them but wasn't all that great to me and uh but other than those things again it's written beautifully jonathan evison is definitely a good author he's a great writer my my issue with the book is just he sh- i don't think he should have been the one to write it i think someone someone in that position and in those situations would have written it better and it would have been a little more authentic and that's that's really my main thing with it and even with that being said even with the fact that i don't care about this author writing it that i don't think it it should have been him i don't agree with it being banned we as a country as a public school county as an individual you should not be trying to silence a voice just because it's different. Whether that is a voice of a person of color speaking on living through Jim Crow or living through slavery and or even just doing the research and writing a fantastic history and detailed history of the, the pain and suffering that happened during those times, that should not be silenced. If anything, these voices will help future generations be better. There won't be confusion. So as a white, a completely white family, if you are to raise your children to not know anything about the experiences of people they're going to encounter in their lives and probably be friends with, hopefully be friends with, that's going to lead to a lot of confusion and misunderstandings because I promise you, the children in the families of color know the truth about what has happened to them over the years. And the, the families of people in the queer community and the relatives, they're going to hopefully, again, assuming, you know, they're open to it and decent family members, they will know the truth about what has happened to themselves or their loved ones and their experiences being being in the being in the queer community and having to deal with what they have to deal with those other people are going to know the truths that you are hiding from your children and that's going to lead to pain confusion heartbreak loss all sorts of things over the years when 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 a child is confused as to why they're why their friend who is a person of color feels a certain way when cops are around or 
you know, gets upset about a microaggression in a store when security keeps an eye on them and not the, the white people that are in the store. That's going to lead to a lot of pain and confusion for future generations because people are trying to hide that from them. Knowing these stories and hearing these stories will help the world in future generations. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And I hope most, uh, well, most, yeah. I hope all of you listening believe that too. So I hope anyone listening and anyone I'm interacting with, and if I'm brave enough to call you fans, stand up against book banning and the hatred that goes alongside of it. Uh, I genuinely believe there's no place for this in society ever and anywhere. But my rant is done. Let me get back to the book. Again, Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. It was written wonderfully. It's, it, the pacing is great. There's good humor. Uh, I just feel that this author wasn't the author for this story. And it, it seems to be rather mixed reception. I mean, I don't know how many people review books on Google. But Google users only liked, only 22% of people who voted liked it. But it does have a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads, which is a pretty good rating. Um, so by all means, check it out and read it. Like I said, it's a, it, it was a good story. And I, I did appreciate the story itself and how it was written. Um, I just feel some sort of way about the author writing it. And that's my, that's my own personal feeling toward it. Uh, if you read it and you feel the same, or if just going by what I said, this uh, straight white older man writing this story of a young half Mexican, half white man and his dealing with his sexuality, um, let me know. Do you think it should have been this author's story to write or do you think he should have left it, just left it alone? So let me know. Give me a message on social media or on my email. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at Sense of Shelf Pod. Or you can email me, senseofshelfpod at gmail.com. If you liked this review, please share it on your social medias so others can hear it. Also, if you would like to show a little more support to this podcast, you can purchase this book through the link in my show notes on bookshop.org that supports this podcast and independent bookstores. Or you can go to Kofi.com or buymeacoffee.com. On both of those, I am Sense of Shelf Pod. And you can subscribe for certain benefits or make a donation. Or you can commission. And I will read certain things that I would not normally read or just read something you specifically want me to read. And I'll give a review on it. And maybe if it's something you told me to read, you can even join me and we can discuss it on the podcast. So this was another installment of the Band Book Club. Please be discreet so the thought police do not find out and try to shut me down. And uh, join me again. I have a lot more planned and coming up. And I hope you guys are enjoying these. And as usual, be safe, read a book, and God bless. Thank you.